Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of The Podding Shed. And so the Blue Faithful travelled to the temporary police state of London West 12 for a showdown with QPR at the Cauldron of Hate, a snappy title which doesn't accurately reflect the reality that Loftus Road is one of the league's smallest and most archaic grounds, filled mostly with 40-something men who live with their mums and spend their lives downloading porn when they aren't pointlessly bombarding social media with a load of spurious nonsense about West London being theirs. QPR through the kitchen sink plus a few pound coins, some bottles, a lighter, and a fair amount of pantomime viewing and industrial language at Chelsea, only to find themselves on the receiving end of a late but highly effective Cesc Fabregas sucker punch, which leaves them deep in a relegation scrap, while Jose and the boys look down on 19 teams below, safe in the knowledge that 11 more points from our remaining fixtures will secure the first Premier League title since 2010. Breathe. Right. Joining me, Dare Kaiser or Johnny, as I'm otherwise known, to ponder the last fortnight in Chelsea terms, including yesterday's trip to the less punishable part of West London, are Dr. Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Uh, good evening. Uh, Garosa Jack, who is Tony. Good evening. So contrary, who is... <coughs> Mark. Are you there? And making his first appearance in the podding shed, we're delighted to welcome Tim Rolls, who is chair of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, writer for CFC UK and long-suffering fan of the Mighty Blues. Uh, we'll be talking to Tim about uh, the goings-on of the last couple of weeks and about his work with the Trust a little later on. Tim, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Could I, could I also remark that, um, along with Mark, he also seems to exhibit a great interest in cooking, so perhaps him and Mark can have a... <laughs> can have a a discussion about, you know, culinary matters in our cookery corner we, we, that we always have into the conversation. I would say, well, yes. MasterChef is, is on a little later, so we can, we can happily weave that in. But I was so frustrated when I got an email from Johnny saying, rolls, I've laid on rolls for this evening. <laughs> I smell the bacon, and then I'll find out it's Tim. Oh, dear. I must have heard that one a thousand times in your life, haven't you? I strongly suspect so. I, I've heard that one before, by the way. Yes, Sausage rolls, yeah. cheese rolls, ham rolls, Swiss rolls, you name it. I'll, I'll get to those later. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, we will kick off with QPR. Um, a tough game is probably to be expected, as a cliche as it may be. It's, it's always QPR's cup final, and they were coming off the back off of it. two decent results against West Brom and Villa um, after no less than five straight defeats. Um, more particularly, it was probably a game they arguably had to get something from in their um, fight to stay in the Premier League. Um, as for the game itself, um, if there is a cha chapter in the book of Football 101 on winning when you're not playing terribly well being the mark of champions, it will presumably re be rewritten with yesterday's performance being the case study. Um, certainly not, not our greatest ever display and not a great game of football overall. Um, apparently, statistically, our poorest passing game of the season. It's 70% being our lowest completion rate this term. Um, but on the other hand, probably our most efficient overall performance. One shot on target, one goal, three points. Um, Tim, were you there? I was, yeah. yeah. I was. Um, start us off. Throw any thoughts on the game. Well, it was always going to be, you know, if you like hostile, I know it's a, it's the smallest ground, but they, it is their cup final. They were they were hostile. Their, their team seemed to be up for it. We didn't play particularly well, but at the end of the day, without sounding too cliched, the only thing that matters is the three points. I, I didn't think we were going to get three points. I have to say, with five minutes to go, mm. I thought it was going to be a draw, but we won. And to be honest, that's all that mattered. In a week's time, you forget about the performance. You just remember the result. Yeah, I, I mean, especially at this stage of the season, uh, it doesn't matter how they come. Let's let's just get them on the board. Um, it it did seem that, that, that QPR's plan was was everything to sort of press and try and stop us getting into any kind of rhythm. And I uh, thought, for whatever he is as a person, Joey Barton was particularly effective at 
basically cutting off the supply to hazard, which seemed to be the um, the overall game plan. Um, Mark, you were in your um, your, your ex- expensive restrictive view seats. Um, what, what did you think? Actually, I was quite pleased because when I got to the seat, the view wasn't really restricted at all. So I don't know what they were on about, but it did print restricted view on my ticket, even though they were sold as unrestricted view, full value £55. Um, but when I arrived at the ground, I hadn't seen so many um, reinforced police since I was in Paris. I don't know what they were expecting, but um, it was all a bit over the top there. There was no trouble at all outside. It was allegedly walked down from the Westfield shopping precinct, mm. up Loftus Road and round the back of the stand. Uh, but it is an old ground. I mean, apart from Portsmouth and um, one other, which I've forgotten now, there aren't many grounds that are that, are that archaic. And and really, it sort of begs the question as to whether they should be allowed in the Premier League. I mean, the, no, no, seriously. I mean, the Premier League... Won't be an issue next season. <laughs> no, it won't be an issue next season. But if, let's say, that they had a good following season, they, they were able to get back up, they, they shouldn't be allowed in the Premier League with those facilities. I mean, the, the Premier League is one of the world's top sporting competitions with, with more money than anything else. Well, all other competitions added together probably don't have the money that the Premier League has. Mm. And to have a ground that is um, pre, you know, pre-Victorian probably with 12 pokey little rows stuck up on stilts. No alcohol. I don't know what they were expecting, but anyway, they banned alcohol for the away fans. Um, and generally very poor facilities, apart from the fact that the girls serving behind the counter were all wearing Chelsea shirts. So I don't know if they import the, the Chelsea, the, the away team staff in to do the catering. No, they do that <laughs> at lots of grounds. It, it's just to make us feel more welcome. They do it at Swansea, they do it at Cardiff, they do it at Reading. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Normally I send my wife out to get the tea. That's the first time I've gone and queued myself. But, um, <laughs> um, well, it's, it's very nice uh, to make this. It's very generous of them. No, anyway, I mean, um, that, to the game, I mean, um, over the last few weeks, let's be honest, it's, every game's been a bit of a struggle. Mm. So we're not exactly our most fluid best. Um, but yesterday, um, we were, whatever the opposite of fluid is, solid. We were at our most solid best. Um, Lumpen, I think. But actually, a... on, on um, hindsight and, and hearing some of the comments, the, the, the wind was quite strong, actually. And they hadn't watered the pitch. And it was obviously bumpy. The, the players, who are good players, I mean, Fabregas, there is nothing to his game apart from being able to pass. He couldn't pass a single ball. I think the ball was not running true throughout the game. So I think there were very difficult conditions. Mm. Uh, with the wind and the hard pitch, uh, the QPR players were obviously up to it because it's, um, they're in the last chance saloon. And the fans were just a constant irritant, which they've been every time I've ever been to that ground. That <laughs> they have this trick of whenever the ball goes out, one of the fans leans over the um, edge of the stand, you know, the advertising hoarding, picks the ball up, waits for Ivanovic to come stumbling towards him, and then throws the ball as far as he can in the opposite direction. So we've then got to go and chase after the ball. Mm. And it shouldn't be allowed. You know, this is the Premier League. If they're going to behave like that, if they're going to behave like kids... They should not be allowed to sit at the same table. They should be in the other room with their toys. <laughs> it's not, not an unreasonable set of points. Um, Tone, through your painkiller-induced haze, what did, you, uh, what did you catch of the game and your thoughts? Oh, well, I thought the tangerine skies were a bit off, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> we should we should explain. Um, dear Tony is, is suffering from a bad back and is um, 
is on, on, on many, many different types of painkiller, as far as I can gather, probably including ale of, su- yeah. ale of some sort. So yeah. uh, we, we obviously wish you well, mate, and um, yeah. get well soon. So struggle on. I'll, I'll struggle on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, it was what I expected. I think Tim and um, Mark have covered it pretty well. Um, it was never going to be this kind of El Clasico, was it? Let's be fair. Um, and, you know, I've said it before, but there's a sense of um, deeper satisfaction from mugging them um, at the last mm. minute. You know, we could go in and beat them 6-0 and everyone would go, oh, do you know what? You beat them 6-0, look at them, they're rubbish. Um, but to sort of play under a, 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 in this controlled manner, we never looked in any real danger. Um, we never looked as if we were out of second gear. Um, and then to get that goal two minutes ago, beautiful. Because I, I knew that the QPR fans would be so full of rage and burning for well, weeks on end, I think. Um, and you only have to look at the, I think it's called We Are Rangers blog today. Mm. Oh, it's a, it's a joy to read. <laughs> it's an absolute joy. <laughs> You know, Sorry to interrupt, Tony, but uh, they won't be burning because they threw away their last cigarette lighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, of course, true. We are, <clears throat> the We Are Rages website, is it not? Yes. Is it they were? Probably, probably more like it. It's is, it is, it's a, a veritable well of comedy. They are they are a very very angry bunch of people. I do, oh. having just looked at social yeah. media, there's there's a lot yeah. of issues there. And, uh, the, the biggest the biggest one on there, Johnny, is um, the the fact that we lack any class. I, just, I can't stop laughing through the irony. <laughs> well, the, um, the the one that the one that made me chuckle were not only songs about Terry, but Terry's family. While you're yeah. cheering, Joey Joey Barton. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think we need to say no more there. No, um, it was it was. It wasn't hard to watch, and I I watched it with a bad back, worried that I would be leaping out of my seat with anger, tension, frustration, and in the end, if I'd have had a six-inch long spliff, it would have made no difference, you know? (laughs) (laughs) A lot calmer. Um, Indeed. I got worried there when he started off with a six-inch long. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we had to get the censorship button out for a moment. No, so we would have muted that. Uh, But Donal... Your your four penneth, please. Um, yeah, I, I thought I'd just um, start by making a slight uh, historical correction. That, um, as far as I know, association football, as it's currently played, didn't start until the Victorian era. So it would have been with uh, some ter- massive anticipation that they could possibly have built Loftus Road. Uh, before the Victorian era, but that's just a <clears throat> a small point. I a small today, historical sorry. note. Yes, before well made. Before someone from the history department of a major university writes in, but it, I think it is the um, first time anyone at Rangers has actually shown any anticipation, particularly oh. Bobby Zamora. <laughs> 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 I um, oh dear, <clears throat> Donald. I watched it uh, in a spirit of, or in a, uh, uh, yes, I was tense. Tense would, would, would sum it up. I, I, it was, as several people have said, it's what I expected. Um, I knew they would be up for it. I, I, I was surprised after the game to read that it's not since 1996 have we, have we won there. 
So I, I think that sort of um, that fear of what might befall us, I think, was was fairly. Mm. Um, Has it been that long? Good grief! It was something like that. Was it ninety six or something like that? It was ninety six. It said that in the league. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. was surprised it was that long, but presumably. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but they haven't been up very much in that time. Very true. They've not actually been a bell. Yeah, that, that's but, probably a uh, game and a half. But yeah, I, it was. Um, it was as I. It panned out very much as I expected. I, I knew that they would be well organised. They'd be up for it. Um, that they, they have their form has improved slightly, and um, our form has been, you know, stuttering. That. Although even even if we were at our brilliant best, I think yesterday would still have been a, a tough game to actually be a, a bit of a scrap, get, wasn't it? To get that sort of passing game going, but um, so yeah, I was uh, I was might I, I was settling for a point long before the end, and um, mm. you know, fair play to Courtois, he 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 put in a couple of uh, good save. Well, there was one really really good save. Yeah, there. from Phillips, you know, tremendous, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and um, but I did wait. I was waiting till around the seventieth minute because I thought, you know, they they're going to tire around then as all teams do. And to be fair, we did seem to get a little more on top, you know, as, as it went into the last fifteen twenty minutes. Not such that we created endless numbers of chances, but we just seemed a bit more comfortable as the game was drawing mm. to a close, and. Um, you know, as as Chris Ramsey said, you know, Green made a mistake, but they still had plenty of time to to sort it out. And um, you know, I, I did think we looked a little more lively with Oscar. That's not to say that I didn't, I don't like William. I, I thought he's he's a good player, and and he, I was a bit concerned when he went off and Quadrado came on, but um, I thought the introduction of Oscar seemed to add something. It was. Maybe just the fact that his, his fresh legs or whatever you like to mm. call it, but but he did uh, he did seem to add something, and so it's no surprise that he was involved there in the little move that uh, that finished it all off. Mm. Yeah, it's um, I, I think it's I, I felt over in recent weeks that we've we've sort of ended up a little bit like where we were last season where it was kind of if, if Hazard doesn't do something then we're, we're struggling a little bit mm-hmm. um, but um, it, I mean, it was good to see Fabregas mm. pop up and get the goal because he was, he was coming in for some for mm. fearsome grief on um, on social media and he didn't have a good game there's no question about that no, I mean he and Matic ran into each other at least twice and gave the ball away between it, them it just the, quite strange it just wasn't wasn't clicking between the two of them and I, someone it cropped up on Twitter earlier on that it they were both um, a booking away from yes, I think an additional ban, which is now gone, isn't it? Yes, and that, that, may that have gets wiped. Yeah, whether that's been mm. affecting them, but um, yeah, they, they they didn't look like they knew each other yesterday. It was. Um, I mean, to be fair, in a game where someone like Barton is, I don't mean that he was being dirty or anything, but where people like Barton are charging around and you know going full on in for a a, a, a challenge. If you're on a if you're one yellow card away from it and you're trying to be a bit restrained, that's only going to add to the impression that we were second to the ball mm. too often. Um, yes, uh, perhaps so. And also, Drogba, love him as we do. You'd think you'd expect in in his heyday he would have got something out of Colker and Anua, but that they it's, dominated him all day, which 
you know, it, um, it's just I, I think part of the it compounded the problem because we couldn't actually get any kind of passing rhythm going. Mm. It, it tended to start getting hoof long to drogs, which yeah. yeah, back in the day he would have eaten that up and, and and thoroughly enjoyed it, but he just just didn't look particularly comfortable. I mean, it has it has to be said. Defending set pieces, he's still as imperious as ever. I, yes, I, I mean, lost he, count on the number of free kicks and corners he, he got to yeah. first, which is, is tremendous to see. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, the news today that he's, he's seeking another another year playing, it's 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 with heavy heart. You'd have to say, I'd, I'd kind of hope it's not here. You know, we, we all know what he, he's done in the past. Um, but Although it, coming on for the last 20 minutes or, or you know, playing in certain mm-hmm. games where the style would... You know, uh, suit him better. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily see him as going. I mean, it's just that we've we've ended up having to depend on him mm. in what was always <laughs> going to be a tough and physical been, game. Despite his age, though, I mean, fair play to Drogba. He's still able to actually put his boots on and get out on the pitch. Mm. I mean, we do have the incredible knack of signing injured strikers. I mean, <laughs> Costa. You know, he might get fit and be able to play the last four games. Will he survive four games? Yeah. You know, how long will he survive next season? And and Remy seems to. Um, the, I think um, with, with Remy there six. was so uh, between the two of them. With Remy, there was always a, a that was always the slight doubt about it, wasn't he? He was a, he was a little injury prone. Um, Tim uh, Drogby, I mean. I think we were all, all pleased to see him back, and I, I kind of hope he he stays in some capacity. But I, you, you'd kind of prefer to see a another striker in place oh. next season. I, I think we've got away with it this season. We played what 30, 31 league games with with three strikers, one of whom is injury prone, and one of whom, no disrespect, but he's well past his best. And, and you know, it's caught up on us now. Mm. Next season, I'm sure we'll be stronger. I, I personally hope that. That, that Drogba, if he's if he's still at the club, he's not there in a playing capacity. I, as you, someone said, he could come on for the last few minutes occasionally, but we can't rely on it. And if Mourinho doesn't trust Remy, or if Remy's got fitness issues, then they probably need to get maybe get two strikers in, in some, or play Bamford, or you know, in, in the or do something. But it, we are just light up front at the moment. And mm. as someone said earlier, that makes us too reliant on Hazard, who's been superb and deserves to be football of the year but he can't do everything on his own mm. no yeah it was it was the cul-de-sac we ended up in in last season and um it, hopefully we, yeah we will find our way to the um to the finishing line in first place this season but yeah there's it's certainly an area that needs needs addressing next time um, i'm a big fan of bringing back Bamford actually <clears throat> yeah, I, it's we, we've we've sort of we've pondered on this before, and I, I don't doubt it will be a, a debate, and we'll obviously come on to um, the, the youth side of things anyway, because the um, as we all well as most of us know now, the um, the under 19s won the um, UEFA Youth Trophy today, um, and there's there's obviously. There's, there's going to be more and more clamour to sort of, you know, to, to start bringing the youngsters in. And um, Izzy Brown was on the bench at Loftus Road yesterday and was whipped back out to um, to Neon in Switzerland this afternoon for um, for the game and scored twice. Mm-hmm. So it's there's there's no doubt. I mean, for whatever Mourinho is, he is he's a pragmatist and, and hasn't shown an enormous amount of faith in youth in the past. Whether he he does so in the future, whether that's a requirement for for him staying in the role or what, we don't know. But um, it's it's certainly a a question which we will we will come to again. Uh, excuse me. One thing I'd I'd like to mention was, um, and it's we've seen a couple of them this season. But one of the, the bits I enjoyed was um, 
JT and Cahill against um, Charlie Austin and Zamora. It was it was a good old centre halves centre forwards ding dong again, which um, mm. is always really good to see. Um, and Cahill, we, we should know um, he, he's coming for a little bit of stick this season, um, but his form dipped a little bit. But I thought he did, did really well yesterday. Conditions weren't easy, mm. um, and I thought he coped with it. Um, he coped with it all admirably well. Um, there's one actually one point that I picked up on on Twitter today, which I thought was really interesting about. Um, I think it was Mourinho said about Petr Cech was such was his attention to detail that he actually said to to Terry, if you win the toss, take X end because you don't want the keeper playing with the sun in his eyes. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Which, I saw that. That's interesting, wasn't it? It's quite. Um, I, it, it's that's kind of Mourinho-esque attention to detail oh, from. Um, can, can, from I mention, the, can I quickly mention something about that? <laughs> yeah, go. Going back to the uh, We Are Rangers, whatever it was, blogs thingy, whatever, um, and the controversy over them lobbing lighters, etc. And apparently, according to one of their uh, correspondents, should we call him, um, that was our own fault because we chose to oh, we kick did, we, yeah, towards we their fans it. in the second half. Therefore, we deserved it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a fabulous logic, isn't it? Really, it's <laughs> it's it's the kind of wild delusion you sort of come to expect, really, isn't it? It's um, yeah. yeah, I think enough said. Um, and we we do know that the um, the FA apparently will be in touch with both clubs uh, on the subject of uh, all the bits and pieces that were being thrown. Um, but there's there's two points about their. I their assume fans. Chelsea will be uh, disciplined for not handing back the lighter to the fan who <laughs> accidentally dropped it on the pitch or something. Such. They'll they'll. Find there were two two interesting points about their fans there's there's a great picture floating around on, on um, Twitter and various other social media outlets of, of Ivanovic taking a throw and leaning right back into their into the crowd and there's a few people sort of directly around him looking slightly bemused and it's notable that all the ones that are giving it large amounts of verbal abuse are safely more than arm's length away <laughs> and we we go on to the um the, the same kind of point um joe tweeds posted a vine of the goal celebration when all the objects are rained down and one of their fans actually comes onto the pitch but it's quite evident that he gets over the barrier and thinks Fuck me, there's a six-foot mad serb there. <laughs> and he quite pointedly stops. Yeah. And there's, there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of pointing and shoulder work, but he doesn't go any further. The steward doesn't actually have to stop him. He doesn't go any further at that point, which, um, which I thought was rather, um, rather enjoyable. Um, there, there, there was another good one. I think uh, someone was taking a corner or going over to take a corner, and there's a bloke standing up. And he's sort of pointing or gesticulating really violently. And there's a steward. She's obviously reached up to force him to push his hand back. But it looks like he started pointing, but he's so limp-wristed that the steward actually has to hold his arm up for him so that he can point. That's what the photo looks like. You know, it looks like she's kindly you know their stewards are kindly helping their aged people to keep their arms straight while they shout at abuse at Chelsea players mm. um, so um, yes I mean I think um, there was again much discussion on um, on social media during the game about the the, um, the referee it was Andre Mariner I think um, 
Do we do we think Charlie Austin was was late on Courtois at least once, possibly twice? And had it been Costa, the um, reactions may have been slightly different. I thought there was there were there was def- there were definitely a couple of leaving his foot in to let him know he's there moments. Personally, but oh, I've got no objection to that. To be quite honest, I mean that's that, I have no objection. I, I've to been it, brought as long up as on football like that, refereed evenly. You know, let's let's be fair. Ricky Carvalho was an expert at that. Um, JT knows how to do that. You know, we're, we're not averse to doing that ourselves. Oh no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not no but this was a, there was one incident where he clearly sort of was about to or thought about and then pulled back. But certainly, his studs made contact with with um, Courtois' shin. You know, and it, it looked a bit stampy, but not proper stamp, but like you know tangling up his leg just to let him know he was there. So it wasn't like just going in for the ball full on or anything. Courtois had the ball on the ground and Austin just, you know, did something. But had it been had it been Costa, they would have made a big thing of it. I think Mariner was right to let, to let it. Mariner, I think, I was waiting for him to give some appallingly stupid penalty to them or something like that. But to be fair to him, I think he did all right, given that it was a game that was... You know, pretty fiery, but, going to be but there was no yeah, really shocking challenge in the whole game. You know, to, to be fair to QPR, and one doesn't really want to be, there was nothing really, really, you know, of, of the order of the sort of th- things we saw with uh, with Burnley and that sort of stuff. So, or Stoke, I think, yeah, to be fair, yeah, yeah. So say we'll, we'll yeah, there was no, there was no big elbows thrown. There was no really badly late challenges. You know, there was a, a few little bits and pieces, but. Hell, it was a derby, but you know. I mean, there might have been a bit of collusion between between them. Austin Mariner. Right, that's a good one. Oh, uh, right. And just while we're talking about sickening violence, can I just um, say that uh, the foul count, which we always like to keep an eye on was um, 12, uh, 12-6 in QPR's favour. They committed 12 fouls to our six. Um, and you won't want to go away without knowing how many fouls did Man City commit. Yes, ah, yes, yes, yes do, please. Do, do tell, do tell. Right. A similar derby game, very similar possession stats. We had 60% possession, QPR had 40% possession. On 60% possession, he committed six fouls. They committed 12 on 40%. Now, I know possession can be interpreted various ways, but let's mm. just... Going up north to the Manchester derby, although those of us who know Manchester know that it's actually sort of Trafford Borough versus somewhere else. Um, <coughs> Salford Keys. Yeah. Um, we're now looking at um, Manchester City, unusually for them, 41% possession. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind we're talking about QPR, we're talking Jerry Watsit and all them Herberts and, you know, tight pitch and whatever. 16. Pass miles as they are. And Pass United, miles. 59%, therefore very similar to us. Nine. Ah. There you go. Once again, there really are only three or four games in the whole Premier League season where Man City have not committed more fouls. More fouls. It's mm. amazing, isn't it? You can put your money on it. A notable point. A notable point. Um, well, they're getting think, what they um, deserve, aren't they? They're losing, so... 
So hang it. Who cares? Yeah. Um, I think um, I think that covers QPR nicely. A team that we, um, frankly, we hope and looks very much like we won't be playing again for some considerable time and good riddance to them. Um, although, although it does mean, because uh, Mark mentioned it earlier, that next season or the season after, were they, were they and West Ham both in the first division, you could go to West, you know, the two Derby games would be the Westfield games, wouldn't they? Because you'd go to Westfield Shopping Centre for pre-QPR and then you could do a little shopping pre-West Ham in their new new home at the Olympic Stadium. Uh, if Tottenham play at um, Wembley for a season, then you've got Brent Cross just down the, court, down the road. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you only need Charlton to move out to Blue Water or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's quite nice, really, because you can go to the match, you, you can do a bit of shopping before the game, buy your wife some jewellery. You've got time to drive it down to Hatton Garden and put it in the vaults. Yes. <laughs> and then get back to watch the game. No, indeed. indeed. And should, should ex-Chelsea legends and uh, notable Serbian Slavisa Jakanovic bring up Watford, you can do the Harlequin Centre. Yeah. Good Lord. It's, it's not called Harlequin anymore. Is it, isn't isn't that, it? No, it's been changed. rebranded like all shopping centres around the country into INTU. So you go into oh. Watford Shopping Centre. It's quite pathetic, really. I say. Right. When did that happen? No, last Sorry, year. I know this is a... a, a we are, we are, podcast, but we we are, we are digressing. We are digressing. We are, but we I have, think it's fair... We have a packed agenda. I do, th- I do think that, you know, in, in honour of Tim being on board, he needs to know that we, we, we do have this penchant for, you know, rail travel, any other subject that comes up. Doesn't bother me. I, I can ramble with the best of them, so it's, don't worry. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, is, it is a notable part, a central tenet of the podding sheds existed that we do wander off and ramble absolute shite on occasion. Um, but informative. I thought this was incisive observation. Exactly, yeah, informative. informative. Um, Rethian. Rethian, exactly. Rethian values. That's that's what we were founded upon. Um, he says, attempting to regain some semblance of control. Um, QPR. Um, I think that probably covers it. So we will um, we will shift on to Stoke. Um, it's a game more talked about for the, the goal by the losing side than anything else. Um, again, not the greatest performances, but a job well done. A two-one win. Um, Remy got the. Um, the winner after Begovic's error, which followed Eden's opener from the spot, and Charlie Adams' seventy odd yard wonder goal, which left Courtois flapping at thin air. Um, Costa, it's it's the point where Costa's um, month ended. Um, he came off the bench at half time and um, disappeared fairly abruptly after about ten minutes, clutching his hamstring, which supposedly leaves him out until at least Palace. Um, I wasn't there. I was. Um, I was away. So I will throw it open to who, who was there. Uh, I was. You were. Tone. Go ahead. Um, they were filth. <laughs> okay. Um, and there ends my price here of the game. They were awful. They they kicked us from pillar to post, and um, how the hell they never got a red card? I I don't understand that. Um, you could argue for Charlie Adam even being on the pitch when he scored his, frankly, uh, miracle goal. Um, but they were... They, they, well, we they should, were um, I think the most physical side we've we played this season. 
I really well, do. I think um, yeah, we should we should note Char- Charlie Adam. That the reason why Fabregas was wearing his Zorro mask yesterday was was Charlie Adam's rather snide elbow across the bridge yeah. of his nose, which left yeah. him with two black eyes. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think um, it's it's kind of what you expect from a, a Mark Hughes side overall. You know, as as he was as a player, his his you know his teams are moulded in that image, aren't they? Twenty-two oh, yeah. fouls. 22 fouls. That's they, an enormous amount. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, Given that QPR I mean, played a, a tough old game yesterday and managed to rack up about 12. I was sorry, I was going to say, my first game was... So I'm, I'm speaking over you, sorry. No, no, go no, no, carry on. Go ahead, yeah. Tim. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. Oh. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, my first Chelsea game, September 1967, Chelsea against Stoke. I've got a match report somewhere from that game, and it talks about... Alan Bloor and Eric, Eric Skills kicking Chelsea all over the park. And here we are, 48 years yeah. on, and not a lot since we've changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I think that summarises it quite well. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a trait of a, a Mark Hughes side. And, you know, it, it should be said, you know, they can occasionally play a bit of decent football. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... Um, that, I think that covers it quite nicely. Well, my, my comment really was about they, they were very physical, but overly so. Um, and they, they didn't have any players come out of the game with any real credit for me, aside from Charlie Adam for what was, let's face it, an absolute wonder strike. I mean, it shut us up pretty quickly, you know. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, it, it was. And, he's done it, it was just one of those moments when you you're watching it and you think, "Fuck, has that gone in?" And and it, and it had, of course, it had gone in, yeah. Um, and secondly, uh, one player that did come out was um, Begovic, who I, I think we made a move for him a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think he was he was in line for but sort of second he, spot he, or something. He, he pulled off a double save in the first half of the, or so, I can't remember when it was now. Um, Magnificent, and he seems to have a habit of coming to Stamford Bridge, and and donning the old Superman cape and putting in fantastic dis- displays or whatever. Because mm. um, I, I actually thought we, we we did play okay. Um, it, it was better than yesterday's p- performance. I thought we were um, much more fluid, relying on Hazard heavily. But you know, it was it, at no point did I think we were going to lose. Um, but Begovic certainly was was their best for me. Mm. I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious that Czech is leaving, isn't it? Because the last couple of games, uh, the two goalkeepers have uh, made a few saves and then thought, oh, no, they need the points and just, uh, you know, chucked it to us and said, there you are, get on with it. Oh, my agent will give you a ring in the morning. That appears to be what's going on. Right. Uh, dear. Um, it's, um, we, we should, I'll, I'll, throw in, um, I'll throw in a couple of stats. Um, Hazard, um, Hazard's penalty was um, his ninth consecutive penalty or penalty he scored, um, which apparently is a record he shares with now shares with Dimitar Berbatov. Um, and it was our 100th penalty in Premier League history. Mm. And there's only one other team that have ever reached that milestone. Anyone care to guess? Manchester, Manchester United. United. Manchester United. That's exactly what I said. We were all wrong. Liverpool, oh. Oh, 102. Liverpool. Oh, right. And I, I've... I've Trying to dig out the stats to find out exactly where United were because I was absolutely stunned that they haven't had more. 
but apparently that's that's the case. Yeah. Liverpool, baffling. So I'm going to try and do that um, for it's not, next not time. Not as baffling as you think, though, because you, are you talking in the Premiership era? Yeah, Premier Premier League. Yeah, era. well, you see, United have been winning enough games during that era. You know, they've been winning and winning well, particularly up at uh, Old Trafford, not to need it. Whereas we all know that it's been a long haul through the Premiership for Liverpool and. They've needed a few leg ups here and there in those in those years, and the famous cop roar. You know, any time anyone basically tripped on a blade of grass, so it doesn't surprise they me. Appeal actually. for penalty. Mm, yes, yeah. it's probably they've, they've needed more of them than than United. Mm, yes, good point. Good point. Um, I think. I, listen, if anyone has anything else to throw in on Stoke please do but I think it, it kind of covers it you know it's a game that will be remembered for, largely for that goal and we got three points and that was that well I, I don't think game. we can go away from this without without taking the vote or at least you know putting it out there was it uh, was it Courtois' fault or was it just a magnificent shot it was where do we sit where's the joy of it to be honest I th- it was interesting because the, uh, the the coverage I saw um, I think it was I think it was match of the day. He actually looked like he had it covered right until the end, and it 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 swerved, and he just tried to adjust his footing and couldn't couldn't do it. So uh, you know what? All right, should you shouldn't be being beamed from sixty five yards? Yes, you know, fair enough. But it was a bloody good shot. <laughs> let's give right, let's give yes. them, let's so give Adam his credit. I'll give you the it's once in a lifetime, you know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know True Blue Terry. Agree mm-hmm. with me, as in Terry Neighbour, as opposed to Terry yep. Fisk, I think, or whatever. He was with with yep. me on this one, and we want to know why a goalkeeper <laughs> is on the edge of the D when the play is down the other end. There's absolutely no need need for it, and and, and to be there's, a, there's been, absolute need for it. If we'd mm. been on this, no, no, sixth, our team is pushing up, so um, yeah, I don't know. I agree. He, he's got to be there to um. If he didn't push up, it means Terry and Cahill have got to stand another 10, 20 yards further back. Don't agree. And we can't, I don't we, we can't press. Absolutely couldn't agree more. Uh, less, rather. Mm. Uh, I think it, uh, you goalkeeper doesn't need to be anywhere beyond the middle of the six-yard box and the and the edge of the belt, ever. No, not, in a, not in the modern game. Not, not, I agree with Mark. You, no. In the modern game where you're, you're, you're pushing up and playing at high line. Tony, you're, just yeah. not, you're not in our era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the drugs. Good. He's gone back to the been, If he'd been back five yards, it wouldn't have gone in. Five yards. Yeah, but that's all it is. but what you've got to ask yourself, but, Tony, is how many how many times does a does a goalkeeper get to the ball over the top? Yeah, and, I and think make the clearance I think by being on the edge of the box compared to how many times they get beaten by a a once in a lifetime welly like that. You, you I get think a, that's really where you, you are. Get a, you get a quick break. And he, he needs to be yeah. closer to rather. And it's, it's not just about it's not just like. about the keeper. You can it's not just about like. the you're all wrong and I'm right. That's the end of it. <laughs> he's, he's he's competitive on, prescri- on prescription medication. Absolutely. I think we must leave it there. Yeah. The other point worth noting is that if you are standing on the six yard box and your players are turning to pass the ball back to you, they've got to bang it an awful lot further. When they bang it an awful lot further they're going to have to put more weight on it. If it hits a divot or anything and you're on your six-yard line, it goes over your foot, it's in the net. If you're taking the ball much earlier, much further out, one, it's safer. 
two, you're closer to the players to then redistribute it. Good point. I am available, of course, for coaching. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps um, um, I think Gary, Gary Neville and Rob Green might want to talk to you about that then. Yes. Is that what happened in an England game? Yes, indeed. Well, no, I mean, there, he was he was back. You know, that was a different pressure situation. I'm just talking about, in general, when you're, yeah. you're pushed up and you still have the option of playing the ball back. Yeah. Um, when we go over to the video blog, I'll be able to bring in a, a whiteboard and we can just put some arrows. <laughs> to, to, I mean, to be entirely they honest, whiteboards anymore. You know, here's the pepper pot. Right? To, to be honest, and the salt and a it takes us. And a bottle. It, ta- it takes us about ten minutes to get up set up with a conference call. Like the, the, the thought of introducing video technology is it's just too much for my small brain to manage. To be perfectly yeah, or, honest, or a white or a whiteboard marker that would work. <laughs> um, we should now have a brief look um, at where we are in the league. Um, the, the title gets tantalisingly closer. Um, we are obviously still top. Seven points clear with seven games to play. Um, the next two of those we will um, we will be looking at on the next episode because we have um, Manchester United at the bridge on Saturday afternoon. Um, and then we go up to um, whatever that new place, Arsenal, the, the quiet one, um, the Emirates, that's it. Um, two games which... Um, Potentially, yeah, def- defining games in the season. Win both of those, and um, it's 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 pretty much done and dusted. Um, United are pushing Arsenal for second, and have, have looked massively rejuvenated in recent weeks, which which seems to have coincided with Van Persie being injured. It, it's all been rearranged. Matter seems to be finding his feet, which he he hadn't done previously. Um, I, th- I think it's it's potentially quite an interesting game on Saturday. Um, I take it we will all be there or thereabouts. Indeed. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and then um, up to um, up to Arsenal afterwards. Um, they are the form team at present. Um, I, I'm sort of almost anticipating we're going to get another game like we did up at Anfield last season. We will. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Jose just say to them, "Right, sit, soak up pressure, wait for your chance because it will come, and, and we'll nick something." Uh, any thoughts? I wouldn't be at all surprised, to be honest, if, if to an extent he played for a draw there and possibly even even against United, because th- those teams need to, to beat us if they're going to have any chance of, of catching us. And I think you're right. I think at Arsenal we can, we can set up and we will get a chance or a couple of chances. Mm. We've done it. We've done it there before, where you know we were supposedly they were the form team and we we've beaten them. We've got a pretty good record there in recent years. So yes, that's true. It'll be a tough game, but you know. I would have thought we've got every chance of getting something out of the game. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think chances will... They, they, they may be few and far between, but I think chances will come because it, the, the pressure... The interesting thing about Arsenal's huge run is it, it comes, as always, it comes when the pressure is off. All of a sudden, they hit form. It's when push comes to shove is, um, is, is when we see what they're really made of. So, and, and I suspect that um, a, a week on Sunday is, um, is when it will be. Um, we will firstly congratulate our um, our under 19s team who won the UEFA UEFA Youth League final today um, against Shakhtar Donetsk in Neon. Um, three two winners with um, impressive performances from Charlie Misonda, Izzy Brown, who got two goals having flown back from um, London yesterday, um, and Jeremy Boger. Dom Solanke got um, got the other one, and he's now he's the competition's top scorer with twelve in nine games. So huge congratulations to him and, and the team. Um, 
I suspect we will we could debate long into the night as to um, as to the merits of um, a few of them making the step up next season. Um, but only time will tell, and we frankly don't have the time. But that's um, for for another time. Um, that moves us on to. Um, can can yeah. I just say something? Uh, yeah, far away before we go off. Um, I, it, it, it's it's hardly the Lisbon Lions in that uh, you know you, uh, they all if you threw a, a roll of toilet paper from Jockstein's outside bog it would land in the garden of every player who's playing for Celtic at the time. But it is worth noting that and within minutes of Chelsea winning this, the articles are out about the amount of money they spend. They're scouring the world for for the the world's best youth. But out of the, I think it was something like 18 players who played today, only three of them were foreign players. And yeah. and old Eva needs to have a listen to this because she's probably, you know, signing off the expenses of all these scouts and so on. And, you know, thousands of pounds in airfares and all that as they go off to Brazil and so on. But by my count, <clears throat> there was one, two, three, four. There were four players in that squad who you could have gone and looked at with just an Oyster card, zone one to four. There was another player from Peterborough, another player from Southampton. And in fact, you didn't actually have to get on an aeroplane to have gone and seen any of them because you mm. could have got a train from King's Cross to Brussels to see Masonda. And Boga comes from uh, Marseille. And Christiansen's from Denmark. Mm. So... I'd, I'd, have a, I'd have a look if I was there and see what they're claiming. The goalie was from Southampton. So, you know, you could basically motor around to all of these people in an afternoon. Or, as I say, get an Oyster card and go and see them. There's a kid from, where is it? Newham, Lewisham, Southwark, Reading, Peterborough, Southampton. You know, it's, it's are we news. scouring the world? Or are we just getting on the number 19? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, it's just interesting it's, that, that the, the idea is that we've, we've just got a, an academy full of foreign players. But for this particular group, that's not the case. No. Good point. Well made. Um, which, uh, which brings us on to um, the, the next crop, crop of youngsters slightly down the ladder. Um, the under-18s play in the FA Youth Cup final um, over two legs against Manchester City. Um, I, I'm struggling to find dates. I'm assuming... The first leg is at the Etihad a week today, and then the second leg is at the bridge on Monday, April the 27th. Um, ticket details haven't been announced yet, but I'd, the club always try and try and push this and, and get a decent crowd. Um, I think tickets are usually around a fiver, and frankly, if it's anywhere as much fun as the um, the game against Fulham was last season, then it's well worth well worth a go because that was great fun. Um, so keep an eye on the club website and uh, the usual social media outlets for details, and get along if you can. Um, we will move along to very briefly to the ladies who um, will also play Manchester City in the FA Women's Semi Cup semi final on May the third, having knocked Arsenal out in the last round. Um, finals. Uh, on Saturday the 1st of August so um, if any opportunity for a Chelsea team to um, play at Wembley should be should be taken with relish so good luck to the ladies that's quite good then because um, Quadrado <laughs> might actually get a 90 minute run out <laughs> oh that's harsh harsh Ooh. man harsh <laughs> dear oh dear um, we were now we're now going to come to um, Tim and the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, Tim, we get, thank you again for coming on um, and, and chipping in, but um, I'm going to throw the floor open to you just to talk a little bit about the Trust, um, what, what it is, what it does, um, and basically just tell us about what, 
what the pending issues are in your your intro at the moment, and um, we'll see um, we'll see where we go from there. So, Tim, over to you. Okay, um, I mean, Supporters Trust. We were formed sort of two or three years ago. The opening meeting was uh, we had Kerry Dixon as a special guest at the CIU Club. Um, but basically, we were formed because after the the CPO Say No CPO campaign, um, some of us were talking and just felt. At the time was probably right to have a supporters group that was if like democratic, was transparent. They'd have trust at a lot of other clubs. To be a trust, you have to have an elected board. We we have the elected board. We also have an annual survey of our members. So what we do is driven by what our members tell us they want. What they told us specifically is around ticket pricing there's no going to be no surprise here ticket allocation issues about the new stadium about safe standing these types of issues mm. so that's what we what we work on now you know i'll give a plug the, the website is chelsea supporters trust.com we're on twitter at chelsea s trust and we're on we're on facebook we have as i said we have elections every year the board was elected Hello, hello. Oh, Tim, are you still with us? I'm suspecting, folks. It's <laughs> this. This. This is live podcasting. Is it's funny. My, my line went down. That's all right. Yeah. You're back. It's all good. Right. It's all good. But where was I when I um? The board um, had just been elected. Yeah, the board. We, yeah, we, the, the board was elected last August. Um. So we got the survey results. We, the, the key thing is the club talked to us. They talked to us about the survey results and we have review meetings with various senior members of the board to discuss the results of the survey and, and, and progress. So if you, you take as examples, we've had conversations about um, ticketing, about ticket pricing, um, atmosphere. You know, there's a lot of discussion about the atmosphere in the ground. We've got people talking to the club about that. We've done presentations to them on, on, on a sort of range of issues. They agree with us about issues like touting. You know, the, the street touts are an embarrassment, I think. It's not the club's fault because mm. they're not on club premises, but yeah. it's an embarrassment to the council and the police. And that's something we are going to work with um, with Queen's Park Rangers, actually, because they have the same, the, the same problem. And they're in the same borough, and it's the council that needs to do something. So it's, it's those type of issues to identify what the big issues are. So mm. yes, we get involved in, you know, if we feel that the a game should be on loyalty points and isn't, and we get a lot of people saying to us that we would represent that to the club. But it, it's it's trying to get involved in 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 wider issues. I mean, the big issue is the stadium. Are we going to stay at Stamford Bridge? I think the feeling is. That you know the club want to. That they've they've said that publicly. I think every most supporters want to. But then you get issues further down the line around design, around the facilities, around do you have safe standing? And you know Tottenham have painted themselves into a corner. They're going to have to move for a year. They've announced that, but they haven't said where they're going to go. I mean Chelsea, you know it's not clear if we do stay at Stamford Bridge, do they move us for a year or to, to, to Twickenham or Wembley or whatever, or do we build? You know, close the stand at a time and, and rebuild. So it's, it's those sorts of issues mm. we want to talk to them about. I mean, they're in a difficult position at the moment. 
We sell out every our home game. We've sold out every our away allocation for every game this season. On on shore at QPR, we could have sold seven or eight thousand tickets with no problem at all. We could have done done the same at Arsenal. Mm. They've only got they can only sell the allocation they've got. So I have some sympathy with the club in terms of trying to do things the right way. But what's important is that we 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 have a dialogue with most. They see that we are transparent they see that we you know we, we do have elections we we have quarterly members meetings we do um we have an annual general meeting two or three other meetings a year in the basement of the Fimbra arms uh and we we're going to do a, a virtual general meeting as well in um in may you know we get we've got members worldwide so it isn't just match going supporters obviously a lot of issues are around the stadium or around matches but we do we do attract support from uh, sort of worldwide and, you know, we're in it for the long haul or the, the trust. I can't say the board members are because they, they could be voted out, but the trust is in it for the long haul. Yeah. We see there's a role for a grown up dialogue with the club. And they, we also work with other trusts. So on things like ticket pricing, it's far more powerful if you're talking to the trust from Man United, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal, rather than trying to talk to the Premier League on your own. So yeah. the, the Big issues, the ticket, the, the TV money that kicks in uh, sort of August 2016, the new TV deal that's been announced recently, there's an enormous amount of money sloshing around. Now, there are real opportunities there for targeted ticket price reductions, but whether it's, you know, obviously we've talked to Chelsea about that, but it's also putting pressure on at a Premier League-wide level to try and get some sensible ticket pricing because what's becoming clear is more and more games that we go to, away games now, 50 55 60 pounds yeah and you know if you follow on twitter i'm sure you won't mind me mentioning this but simon lorch is one of our most loyal supporters and he simply cannot afford to do these games and he tweeted that yesterday he had to watch the game in the pub because he, he hasn't got a spare 55 pounds and this mm. is pricing out young young supporters which isn't just an issue at chelsea it's pricing out young supporters across the board the demographic at chelsea has changed Clubs need to do more to attract young supporters back to the game. And a lot of that is about pricing. I think if you get more young supporters, it'll probably it'll almost certainly improve the atmosphere. So well, a lot this, of these issues are related. This is it. I, th- I think that's, that's a very good point is, is actually if, if there were to use a, one of those hideous management buzzword buzz phrase type thing, it's joined up thinking that there's so many of these things are actually linked. Yeah. That if 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 you start paying attention to one, some of the others will will naturally sort themselves out. Um, I mean, I think um, certainly certainly new TV deal, and I think away ticket prices is something that, um, as you just mentioned, an awful lot of people are are talking about because obviously QPR is slightly different depending on where you're coming from, but. Once you you know you throw in a fifty pound a fifty pound ticket, train fare, food. Food, Sorry. whatever else. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> um, you, you throw in all of those costs, and you know the inevitable antisocial kickoff time, which which you know leaves you maybe with one train to get get back well, to London it, it, on a Sunday afternoon. We played three this season. We would have played three away games that kicked off at three o'clock on a Saturday. Premier League games. Yeah. We played eight home, but three away, and you know so that means sixteen of our games have either been moved for television or because we were in the Champions League. So many of those, I mean, the club have been pretty good running, running trains, but it, you know, they're ridiculous kickoff times, and it's, it's going to get worse as, as more games are on TV. Yeah, I, I, was ju- I was going to jump in there, actually, because 
Tim makes a good point, and it's not just a, uh, a, a Chelsea issue. That was the worst Stoke crowd I've seen at Stamford Bridge because it was yeah. a 5.30 kick-off. By the time the game is finished, they're not getting back until probably close to midnight. And well, Houston was shut. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, Houston were... was shut, so they couldn't get home anyway. Obviously, so they're right. engineering works, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's the worst crowd. But this is happening quite a lot now. They, you know, they talk about the brand and they talk about this, that and the other. But games need away supporters. I mean, we're, we're lucky. We have got, I mean, we're a successful club. but We've got a vibrant and passionate away support. But a lot of other clubs, the cost is just, is just killing it for, for a lot of clubs. Mm. Mm. I think there's also the, the other thing is, is being a London club and doing well whatever shortfall there might be in in people able to afford the game that gets made up obviously by a, a sort of tourist intake when you look at a lot of games on match of the day up around the country you know premier league clubs clubs who are not necessarily battling relegation uh, there are empty seats you know and they're the sort of economic conditions that prevail in the southeast are vastly different to what's going on in parts of the rest of the country yeah and and you know the massive t tv money there is 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 sort of shrouding what what's quite a a, a large problem that football's got coming up in in five ten years if it doesn't address getting the crowds going regularly well um, i think i mean it's it's an interesting it, it, it works both ways, and uh, and for whatever we think of, of Mr. Scudamore, he, he is an extraordinary salesman. Because I, I had, had the conversation with um, with a bunch of mates who you know, and we support clubs of, of various different you know Leeds, mm. Sunderland, Norwich, me, Chelsea, and you know a good sort of a, a sort of reasonably good diverse mix of clubs that have been in the top flight recently or are you know at, at all sorts of different levels. And I can remember having the conversation with them. 15 years ago saying but you know what are we going to do when you know the, the premiership money the money stops you know or, or it just doesn't go up anymore and it's just not happened and i think all the problem is all the while that, that keeps happening there's a degree of you know that they are starting to pay attention but i i think you, you won't fully get their attention until such time as maybe the, the tv companies look at it and go well it's just not as good a product for for one of a better word as, as it once was and you know there's more empty seats the atmospheres aren't as good so we're not going to give you as much money and until that happens it's much more likely to be that that they they, they come to a point where they can't um, affect the churn rates they can't attract the numbers they can't attract the advertising um and and thereby make money um yeah they, they wouldn't <clears throat> bear, bearing in mind what we what we understood went on uh, at the European uh, Championships with the way that they cut and uh, insert uh, crowd scenes from other games and think all these lovely ladies that they were homing <laughs> in on, they weren't necessarily at the games you were watching. Yeah. Believe me, they won't hesitate to, to start putting in bits of crowd and, and adding noise if they need to do it, provided the advertisers and and you know the 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 subscriptions um can be justified you know if they're if they're pulling in the money from those sources they will keep paying for football the problem is it's is very true at some points they have to hit a you know there will be a point at which you assume people will 
I mean, Scudamore wants to set it around the world. And, yeah, and until, until people vote with their feet. Uh, thankfully, I will be, having watched what's happened with the World Cup, I'm thankful that I'll be worm food by the time they play the Premier League more or less all year round in Doha or somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, that's yeah. where it'll eventually end up because they'll follow the money. And, and the World Cup has shown that. You would not, 20 years ago, have believed that they would play the World Cup in a country where, you know, they'd be struggling to put out a pub team. And in, in mm. conditions that were completely... Um, utterly unsuitable for football. Yeah, mm. but they, there's been enough money chucked at the people in football to, to just to, to, to make them move heaven and earth to do it. Mm. And so, it's very true. It's very you know. true. Um, Tim and, just, and, and they will continue to mess the fan about because it's all about if TV is putting all that money, TV calls a shot. TV will call a shot. Oh, no, without question, without question. Um, Tim, just to come back, because it's something that we participated in in terms of the survey. We asked people to go back. Um, the Safe Standing Initiative, um, it, it seemed to sort of gather a, real, a really decent amount of momentum in terms of the results of the survey suggested that people were overwhelmingly positive about it, wanted yep. it. Um, it's it's starting to. I, I heard noises from MPs and so on, which, if it's starting to attract their attention, it can only be a good thing. Whether it's it's meaningless platitudes or not is another matter. Yeah. But that that seemed to really gain some traction, which I think was a really good example of, of trusts working together to actually get the views of of the match going fan and, and putting it across to to those that matter. Yeah, I mean, I think slow standing is an interesting point because. You know, Manchester United have publicly said that they would be, they're interested. I think Villa are interested. Chelsea have said that they would be interested, but you know, not they wouldn't be first in line. I think that's their sort of public statement. But mm. across the board, I mean, I think ninety six percent of well, over four thousand people responded to the survey, and I think ninety six percent of them said that they re, you know weren't against state standing being introduced at Chelsea, and that those results are done across the board. The problem is. There's an argument that you, it needs new legislation to do it. Now, the, the guy who runs the safe standing campaign, John Darch, doesn't believe that. But there's a, there's a, there's a legal interpretation yeah. that needs to be done. And to be honest, um, the current government has shown no interest. You know, it's never going to be the number one priority for an incoming government. But mm. there is there is momentum behind it. I think... The Liberal Democrats actually seem to be in favour of it. Labour have come out today in their manifesto and, and talked about about ticket touting and about get you know more fan representation on, on boards and this sort of thing. So I think politicians yeah, are starting to listen to football supporters. Well, it's um, I mean it's a, po- a point I made ages and ages and ages ago that I is it is it really, you know we've got an election coming up. It's too late now, but is it beyond the wit of you know? A, a supporters trusts you have football football ground in marginal constituency you get a representative from their supporters trust or whoever to say to all of the prospective candidates especially the ones who are, are most likely to win okay we've got 10,000 people that come come to us every week back us on these issues and we'll we'll direct support in your direction if you don't we'll get them to to vote vote against you there's enough margin i'm sure there must be a margin seat somewhere where that is 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 a plausible way of actually putting pressure on politicians to do do something about it 
that needs to be done at a wider level. You've got a national level, you've got the Football Supporters Federation who sort of coordinate campaigns and that sort of thing is a good idea. I mean, on a, a, a more narrow issue, we are in the process of, of contacting the council and actually the, the sort of the MP candidates on the issue of touting. But I agree that there are wider issues. I think, say, standing is one and ticket pricing and, and the use of TV money for the greater good of the game, the grassroots side, that I think over time, I think, you know, politicians, as football get football supporters get sharper at, at, at thinking this stuff through and campaigning together, I mm. think there are prospects in the medium and long term to, to, to put more, more pressure on. Because what happens at the moment, a lot of the time, I mean, we do have meetings. I've been to meetings with the Premier League. I've been to meetings with the FA around sort of FA ticket pricing, ticket allocations, these sort of things. They talk to you. They... they they always sound interested, but you never quite get what you hope you're going to get out of it. Mm. I think, it's, it's, it, I suspect it'd be the same with politicians. But, you know, Ross Mooring and I, from the Trust, went to a meeting run by Clive Efford, who's the Shadow Minister of Sport. And he, he said, well, what are the issues? And some of the issues that people banged on about, it wasn't just us, Arsenal were there, Tottenham, Liverpool, yeah. have appeared in the uh, Labour manifesto. So... You know, there is a possibility to, ch to, to change these things. It's never going to be the number one priority. But as you say, there's an awful lot of football supporters out there. There must be some marginal constituents. Actually, it's a, it's a good point. Sort of tactical campaigning yeah. for, for the next election or the next council elections come to that. Because Ca council elections will probably be easier because the turnout's going to be lower. So yeah, yeah. That's, it's, that's a good point. it's worth pondering that. I'm worth pondering, yeah. I think. Um, well, listen, Tim, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us about, about the trust. Um, we'll, we'll give it another plug, www.chelseasupporterstrust.com. Um, they're on Facebook as well, on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust. Um, joining as an individual costs you a fiver. Come on, you know, you can buy a pint of beer, just about buy a pint of beer. Why not join? Um, they're, they're doing uh -huh. stuff for you. Um, or buy Tim beer as well. You know, you'd obviously be more than happy with that too. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we do, you know, I, I would stress again, we do have members meetings, we do, we do newsletters, we, we get feedback and we act on that feedback. And anyone who's a member, it's £5 to be a, a voting member so you can vote in the elections. It's, you, can, you can be a non-paying a non member where you still get a chance to, to do the survey the survey, next survey will be in the summer, in May, June time. The club do listen to the results, so I would encourage people to have a look at our website, sign up, and get your voice heard. Definitely. Did, you, did you have any input into, you know, the uh, ticket exchange thing they had going? Yes, we did. They, you had some input in getting rid a, of that, did, did a, you? a submission. We worked with a, um, a guy called George Gray, who was behind the Chelsea Tickets um, mm. Twitter account, who the yeah. club you know, weren't happy about. But he, he worked with us. And we came up with a proposal, and okay, I think other, you know, the fact it had been discussed at the fans forum as well, but we came up with a proposal that was remarkably similar to what the club um, yeah. actually implemented. So we, we did put pressure, and those are the sort of things I think we can do some thinking, and we, we can, you know, we can get an audience with the club, and we can, we can actually put over a, a rational viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, some of those, you know, the small, little small victories are the sorts of things that help, you know, build a bit of momentum don't they if you demonstrate yeah. that um because as you say the touting thing is 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 ridiculous and and mm, that's you know, that's a big thing i it, yeah, pretty much I, everyone i speak to you know says it's just it's it's a full and broadway on match days it's just ridiculous mm. and out i mean some of the bigger issues that take will take a lot longer and, and yeah and, and the stadium you know there's that's that's going to be years the 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 things around you know 
ticket pricing, that's a huge issue. But the things like touting, we probably can help make a difference because it, it does look awful. The club hates it, but as soon as it's done on the street and not on club premises, they can't do anything about it. There were letters in Chelsea programmes from 1965 talking about touting on Fulham Broadway. And here we are, <laughs> 50 years later, and absolutely nothing has changed. Still the same, yeah. Yep. yeah. Mm. Um, I, I, think, I think the fact that Germany won the World Cup uh, has, has probably been a big um, bonus in, in, the, in, in that way, in that German football seems to, not that I'm saying it's perfect, but it seems to have certain of the things that fans in this country are looking for. They seem to be a bit further down the road with yep. them. As in ticket pricing, when, as in fan organisation. Well, when they got um, sorry to interrupt, when they got the 2006 World mm. Cup, they actually they looked at the infrastructure and how how football was handled, and there were obviously lots of the stadium were upgraded. Mm. But yeah, they actually paid a lot of attention, and I, we, we we could we could probably talk about this all night. But mm. German fans are a little bit more militant about what they wanted because when Sky pitched up with with heaps of money and said, "Right, we want to move games to eleven o'clock on Sunday," the German fans basically said, "No, you bloody don't." And it was one particular weekend where they just they didn't turn up. Mm. So right, we're not having that. No, yeah. and um, and they they pretty much you know won the day. So um, I think there's you know there's perhaps a, a, a lesson there for um, for us over here. I um, think Cardiff did Cardiff did something at the weekend, didn't they? Where only eight of them turned up to the game or something. Not <laughs> sure the entire story. You know, if you said to Chelsea supporters, "Don't go to this particular or any yeah. Premier League." It's very difficult to we get would, that unless you've got an, an enormous issue. I think, you know, the, the ownership issue at Cardiff maybe is, is one or, or a yeah. half. But, you know, one long-term objective of ours is to, is to get supporter representation on the club board. That is obviously a long-term view. Yeah. You know, other, other trusts at, at smaller clubs like Portsmouth, basically they own the club. Now, that's clearly unrealistic at Chelsea unless we've got a supporter with, you know, billions of pounds. <laughs> with a lot of cash. <laughs> so that's not... Yeah, it is about trying to get an ongoing voice and, and dialogue at, at senior le level of the club, you know. Mm. Um, that's... Listen, Tim, thanks again so much for coming on to us you are um, you're, you're more than welcome back if there's, um, yep. if there's anything you need to talk about in the future that needs a bit of um, a bit of a boost for the audience you are you're more than welcome to come back um, we um, I need to just quickly run through the um, the public service announcement that keeps Nick happy um, if you you liked listening to us um, and you would like to hear more of it um, you can ex browse our extensive back catalogue at www.poddingshed.com um, if anything you'd like to hear us talk about then let us know via that website or via Twitter on at Chelsea Blogger at the Podding Shed. Um, if you download the podcast via iTunes, we'd be very delighted if you um, gave us a good rating as it means <laughs> technical things happen to do with charts that I don't fully understand. Um, thank you to Donald, Tony and Mark, the regulars. Um, and thanks again, Tim, for joining us and, uh, and talking about the Trust. We will be back in a fortnight to talk about the games uh, against Manchester United and Arsenal. Um, until then, keep the blue flag flying high and good night. Good night. Good night. Yes, good night. Good night. Thank you.